reading this morning from Mark 9, verses 2 through 13. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and brought them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his garments became radiant and exceedingly white, as no launderer on earth can whiten them. Elijah appeared to them along with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to answer, for they became terrified. Then a cloud formed, overshadowing them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. All at once, they looked around and saw no one with them anymore except Jesus alone. As they were coming down from the mountain, he gave them orders not to relate to anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man rose from the dead. They seized upon that statement, discussing with one another what rising from the dead meant. They asked him, saying, why is it that the scribes say that Elijah must come first? And he said to them, Elijah does first come and restore all things. And yet, how is it written of the Son of Man that he will suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I say to you that Elijah has indeed come, and they did to him whatever they wished just as it is written of him. Thank you, Laura. Well, I've got good news this morning. I'm only going to speak for, at least my sermon, it's only going to last 10 minutes. Bad news is I've got a 25-minute introduction. <laughs> so hang in there. And I'm, what I'm going to do is, is, to begin with, is I'm going to restate the events that took place on that um, mount of communication once known as the Mount of Transfiguration. And the reason I call it the Mount of Communication is because I want to really focus on what did God want to communicate by having Jesus take them up there on that mountain. Let's pray. Father, when, uh, when Jesus and his disciples did go up on that mountain to pray, they heard your voice and you made your name known to them and your will known to them. And you've done that for us, so give, give us ears to hear and a real desire to act upon uh, what you said on that mountain. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, Jesus told his disciples, he said, some of you here are not going to taste death until you see the kingdom of God come in power. And then uh, we saw that in the last chapter. And then six days later, Jesus took Peter, John, and James up onto that mountain to pray. It says in the Gospel of Luke. And while they were praying, or maybe after, they all fell asleep. And when they woke up, they saw Jesus standing there. And he was glowing. His, his clothes were so white, uh, the launderer would not be able to make them any whiter. And it's described that they were radiating. Uh, Luke says that they were gleaming. 
Uh, they were like flashes of lightning, like a sparkler, I suppose. And then uh, Matthew talks about how uh, his eyes and his face were, were, were beaming like the sun. So they got quite a taste of, of what it was like to be in, in glory. And then they had, to, they had to be confused because uh, they saw two dead people there. They saw Moses and Elijah. And uh, Moses was the one who not only brought the Israelites out of Egypt, but he was the one that received the law. And that's when the nation of Israel began as a nation. So he was important. Elijah came on later. Elijah was the <laughs> one that God called about 800 years before Christ to speak to the northern kingdom of Israel that had left Yahweh and they were following the God, so-called God, Baal. And so he gave his message and the God says, okay, it's time for you to go, Elijah. And so in a whirlwind, God raptured him up into the clouds. And there they were standing there and uh, they, they started to leave, it says in the Gospel of Luke. And so Peter gets all excited and he says, oh, you can't go. Hey, wait a minute. And, he, you know, he's the, he's the one that has to speak. He's like me. He's, some of you who are, who are noisy, we, we do a lot of talking. Well, he couldn't, he couldn't hold it back. He started talking and he said, he said, hey, we can, we can build some tents and we can get you all up here and we can have a nice conference. And it says in the book of Matthew that while he was speaking, the Lord had something to say. And that's when that cloud came down, and, and I, I don't know quite how to picture that. A bright cloud came down over the, over the top of them, and they became very frightened. All this was causing them to be uh, fearful, just like it was at Mount Sinai when, when the law was given. And so they, they were terrified, and they fell down at the same time. God is speaking to them, and he always says one thing. He says, this is my son. Listen to him. And then... Jesus said, okay, get up. Everything's okay. Let's go back down the hill. And so back down the hill they started. And he says, now I don't want you to say anything about what happened up here until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. And so then they started thinking, hmm, what am I going to do now? And so they started talking about the resurrection because it was confusing. Uh, the, the Jewish leaders really didn't explain much about the resurrection. There was a lot of confusion and arguments about what that meant. And so they talked about uh, Elijah and asked Jesus questions uh, according to what the scribes have said. And Jesus talked about how Elijah came and he, he suffered uh, uh, through, through um, um, John the Baptist. And then Jesus says, I'm going to suffer too many things. And they understood, according to Matthew, that Elijah was really uh, uh, a, a person or um, voice of God through John the Baptist. Now, what's somewhat interesting about this is Mark, Matthew, and Luke were not on that mountain. So they got the message later and then wrote about it. John, uh, John didn't say anything either, and he wrote a gospel. Peter said something about it. Peter, in, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse thir- uh, 17, he talked about that voice of God and that whole experience as the majestic glory. We heard the majestic glory. They heard the voice of God. And he says, but we have a more sure word. What's that? It's, it's what Jesus Christ taught. It's what is being written and sending, sent to all the churches. We have something we can look at right here. It doesn't have to be an experience. You go back up on that mountain. He said, go back down. What do you think Peter, John, and James wanted to do as soon as they got down to the bottom of that mountain? Tell everybody about their wonderful experience. That's what we would do. Oh, you should have been there. But he said, no, don't say anything right now. 
we have to go back into chapter 8 uh, from last week, if you were here last week, and remember that uh, Jackson talked about how Jesus asked his disciples, well, what do the, who do the people say I am? And, it, well, some say you're Elijah, some John the Baptist, some say a prophet, and nobody really knows what you but you're somebody really, really, really very special. And he said, and he said to them, well, who do you think I am? And then Peter sounds off like Peter normally does and says, you are the Christ. And Jesus says, you got it right. Who is the Christ? The Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the, uh, the teachers of the law, all those folks were teaching that the nation of Israel one day was going to be redeemed, relieved from the pressure of the Romans. The Messiah was coming. He was going to be their deliverer and he was going to set up the kingdom. And that was their focus. And so even the disciples had that focus. But they weren't paying attention to Jesus as his suffering servant, which Isaiah talks about in 53. They didn't want to talk about that. Don't let me talk about that. that that's that's uh, 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 somebody dying, the, the Messiah dying. That nah, doesn't make any sense. So the resurrection didn't make any sense. Now we go back into on the mountain. They're on the mountain. God could have said anything he wanted to those to those three disciples. He could have had Moses say something. He could have had, had Elijah explain how wonderful it was to just fly up into the sky and be in heaven and not die a normal physical death. But all he said was, this is my son. Listen to him. The only other time he said, this is my son, was back when, when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. So God spoke from the heavens twice. So uh, what did he take from that? This is my son. The name, the Son of God, is the Messiah's divine name. Yes, the Messiah is going to come and be our deliverer. He's going to set up the kingdom of God. But he's also God in the flesh. Now, most probably everybody in in here is, is familiar. If you're not, well, I'll try to explain it here. But when John wrote his gospel, he was writing to a Greek world. And he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. So, God is the Word. The Word became flesh. That is, God became flesh, is what he's saying. And we have to realize that the Greeks believed that the Logos, which is the Word, was that one God way out there somewhere. And they had all these other gods that didn't exist. You know. But they did believe that there was a God out there, and he was the Logos. And so what he's saying is, and of course they didn't all understand it at, that time, at this time. They kind of had to pick this up a little bit later. But he says, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is the very Son of God, the very essence of, of God. In Isaiah chapter 9, you know, we always hear this around Christmas, it's quoted. I think they even sing it. A child will be born and a son given. And his name will be called Almighty God, Eternal Father. Now, wait a minute. Jesus had a father, the Heavenly Father. And no, Jesus is also seen and that can or called the Father. Really? They didn't understand that. And then in the first chapter of the book of Hebrews... The writer says, God spoke in times past 
through the angels, through Moses, and a lot of different ways. But in these last days, he has spoken through his son. And then he describes who the son is. He says he's the radiance of God's glory. He's the exact representation of the very nature of God. And he upholds all things by the word of his power. That's Jesus Christ. That's God in the flesh. That's our Messiah. That's our Christ. And so he wants us, as he says, this is my beloved son, listen to him. What does he have to say? Pay attention. And, of course, he's saying that, he's saying that to us. And what I found down through my 71 years of life is that we're all a bunch of lousy listeners. Right? Not only to God, but to one another. Um, let's have a picture up here. I've got a little picture of a little girl. And she's holding one of those old, one of those old telephones. And she is happy. And a somewhat of a smile on her face and talking more than anything. And, and it's a greeting card. And you open up the greeting card and it says, You are my best friend because you listen and listen and listen. <laughs> and, you know, and that's the way we are. You know, uh, good friends listen to one another. And the day before Jesus Christ died, when he had his, his disciples together and he was, he was teaching them and he said, he talked about the vine and the branches and that we need to be listening to him. You know, the, the, the branches need to be tied into the vine and he's the vine. And then he goes on and say, you are my friends if you do what I command you. And how are we going to do what he commands us unless we listen to him, unless we're uh, in his word paying, paying attention to him? Now, like I said, my message is going to come in a little while. I'm not there yet. Um, and I'm going to be talking about how we can better listen to Jesus Christ, listen to his word. Um, in the meantime, I just want to talk about why it's so hard for us to listen. But it's because we were born somewhat deaf. You know, we're, we're descendants of Adam. We're born into sin. And so we want other people to listen to us, but it's hard for us to, to, to listen to them. Um, and and you, you can remember that because when you, when you were first born, remember, and you were on the changing table, and mom was changing your diapers. And, and as you got older, day by day, week by week, you started rolling back and forth. And were, mom knew that you were going to fall off that table if you weren't careful. And so she had to communicate to you. But because you didn't know English, she couldn't, she couldn't get you to stop rolling. And so like my wife with our little daughter grabbed her feet, pulled it up and saw that gluteus maximus with a little wooden stick and went pop. And then that little girl stopped rolling closed her eyes and opened her mouth. And she basically said, what was that? But, but my wife knew that she could get to her ear through her rear. <laughs> we got a little bit older and we, uh, we didn't like it when people told us no. And by the time we were 13 years old, uh, we had more uh, information and knowledge and wisdom than our archaic parents. And uh, we uh, got all the, all the wisdom we wanted from our friends and uh, uh, Hollywood and um, the rock stars and any place else we could find some good information. Uh, we foolishly translated good advice from those who had authority as gimmicks to rob us of our God-giving, self-destructive rights going our own way. We're programmed at birth to only hear what we want to hear for our own good. And the world's daily distractions, that they always overwhelm us. 
Um, we, we, all those working moments of our day uh, are bombarded with not only the thoughts of greed and uh, selfishness, uh, fleshly lusts and that sort of thing, but, but just the daily burden of life, our, our music or complications to our hearing. And so as we live our lives, we learn um, and find ourselves uh, just not listening at times to other people. We'd much, much rather hear, have them hear what we have to say. And really, when it gets right down to it, we don't love others as much as we really want others to love us. And Jesus is trying to, in our lives, of course, to turn that around. Listening with intention is nearly impossible at times. Um, a lot of us older folks, we have uh, hearing aids, and we lose them, or the battery wears out, or we just don't wear them. Um, and um, so we have an excuse not to hear. The rest of you, uh, you don't have an excuse. Uh, uh, listening really requires a focus. I'm reading in a book uh, some time ago, the author talked about his little three-year-old daughter. Um, she was learning how to read, and she had a little children's book, and she had her six, six-month-old sister, half-year-old sister, just crawling around on the floor. And she's trying to read to her little sister. And she says, you need to focus. <laughs> that the way we are, we just, uh, even as adults, when people are trying to communicate to us, or God's Word trying to, we just don't focus very well. I was in the hospital <clears throat> uh, about four years ago for 11 days. And, and I give this example to show how, uh, how even when we're paid to listen, we don't do a good job of it. And I, I was going through a lot of pain. They just chucked, chucked me full of morphine. And uh, I, what I wanted more than anything is to sleep. And when those nurses would come in and they would always ask, is there anything I can do for you? And I would always, there was something, you know, from time to time there was something, my socks would come off or whatever. But, but the one thing I wanted more than anything else is to shut that door. I wanted it quiet in there. And those doors were really thick. And boy, when they shut that door, I didn't hear anything from the outside. And the nurses were over here in there. In there. During the night, you know, everything's dark. And, and I could hear them talking. And I don't, I don't blame them because I would be the noisiest person in the hospital if I was there because I'm, I'm a talker. Uh, so I don't blame them, but it just goes to show they would come in and about one quarter of the time when they would come, they would not shut the door. And I couldn't get any sleep just thinking about it. And so I'd, I'd endanger my life to go over there and shut that door because I wanted absolute silence so I could try to get some sleep. So even when we were paid to be, uh, to be good listeners, we don't listen very well. And uh, my wife and I, you know, we, we have a hard time listening to one another. And it's because I already know what she's going to say. <laughs> and she knows what I'm going to say. We read each other's minds. We've been married for 40 years. We know. No. I had to go back uh, to Colorado to, to do a funeral this year. And um, it was going to be two days driving out, two days driving back. And my wife was going to have hip surgery. And so she was hurting in the hip. And I said, do you want to go back with me? Do you really want to sit in that vehicle for, for uh, 32 hours? And she said, what wife wouldn't want to sit with her husband for 32 hours? <laughs> because she knew that 
if I listen to her, there's a chance that I could pick up about 10 to 15% of what she had to say. <laughs> we have a hard time listening to one another. And we know about little children. You know, they don't do a good job of listening. Flush the toilet and be sure and brush your teeth. And, and uh, stop hitting your sister. You know, Corinne, when she was working for... Uh, in public school with little children and, and when she was uh, uh, teaching Sunday school and even with our own children, when they wouldn't pay attention to her, she would get up close to them and she'd say, sometimes she had to hold her head. she said, look at my eyes, look at my eyes. And, and she did it quieter than that. You know, I, I'm, I'm noisy. And so once she got their attention, that she could tell them what she wants. She's had to do that to me sometimes too. She's actually grabbed a hold of my head. Do I look like I'm three years old? Yeah. I've noticed that um, my wife taught me that, but she knows when I'm listening because when we listen, we respond and say something or we do something in response to the words that, that are they're given to us, whether it's, whether it's from God or it's from, from another person. You know, and I'm, I'm getting older. I've been married for 44 years. Uh, I'm practically dead. And I'm just now beginning to really get a better handle. Seriously, I'm beginning to get a better handle on what it means to shut up and listen. Not only to people, but more importantly, to my Lord. Listening is a, is a discipline of, of, of self-denial. That even in the, in the fruit of the Spirit, it's uh, self-control. Um, to allow my mind to think. Listening to people is much easier than listening to God because we can see people and we can hear people. Listening to God is abnormal for, obviously, the unbeliever. But even as believers, the world is pounding on our ears all the time. It's, it's still very difficult for us to even uh, hear God and listen to His Word. Listening to God's Word is a discipline of self Denial, And I, I want to qualify this. I remember last week Jackson even qualified some, a comment something like this. And that is, that doesn't mean we can't do the things we want to do. Self-denial. Uh, when Paul wrote to Timothy in that first book, he said, God has richly blessed us with all things to enjoy. So, you can go out and ride a motorcycle. You can climb a mountain. You can uh, go fishing. You can take dancing lessons. You can be a politician. No, wait. No, watch out for that one. Um, but the Scripture says that whatever we do, we do it heartily unto the Lord. And so it's not what we do, but we do it unto the Lord. And that is we listen to Him. Okay, here's my sermon. You ready? Now you, now you can take some notes. Um, how do we listen to Jesus Christ? How do we listen to His Word? And I'm going to give you three quick, not real quick, semi-quick, I'm going to give you three times during the day that you can work at disciplining, that we can work as, because dis- I'm doing this too, at disciplining ourselves to listen to our Lord through His Word. The first one is a quiet time. Now, my definition is a little bit different than most people when it comes to a quiet time. What I mean by quiet time is, is I'll give you a good example here. Now, a semi-good example. <laughs> when my wife and I were in Virginia for a couple of years, 10 years ago, uh, we went to a church, and it was a young church. And in the evening service, they were going to start um, um, 
home Bible studies. So we went that night and we thought, well, let's get involved in this. A good preacher and he does a good job teaching the Word. And uh, so what they did, first of all, is up on this great big screen, everything was dark except the screen was white with black words. And there was Scripture, one Scripture after another about listening to God and being quiet while we listen to God. And it was wonderful. And after we finished that, we broke up into groups and it was about in big circles. We all get in big circles about... Um, that's six or seven couples, and uh, we were we were uh, supposed to be uh, now talking about what we were going to do, where we were going to meet, and so forth. And so one person said to the other, wanted to say to the other person, across the the empty spot between the chairs, you see, th- there was a, there was somebody that turned on the speaker and blasted us with some music that was so loud we couldn't communicate to one another. Shall we bring food? No, you're not rude. No, not rude. Food. And, and it really, it was terrible. We were screaming at one another. And there was some guy over here that, that turned, our girl, that turned that music on and we couldn't hear each other. God wants us listening. He wants it quiet. A quiet time. And, and when I say quiet time, I don't mean those times where we pray. This is a time of listen. He listens to us all the time. And that's good. He wants to. He wants us to talk to him. But he wants us to spend that time, devoted, disciplined time, listening to him. That's getting our face in the Word. Open this up. Or if you have an electronic gadget, you can pop it up on there and do it that way. A lot of you love to do it that way. Whatever is getting into, getting into his Word. Listening to him. A lot of us like to, uh, Christians kind of float through life and they say, well... The Holy Spirit will kind of tell me what He wants when it's time to tell me what He wants, you know. And, 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 and God says, no, the Holy Spirit works only according to God's Word. So we need to know God's Word to please our Lord. Our elders, when they make decisions, they go to the Scriptures, obviously. But in chapter 3, in the, in the letter Paul wrote to Timothy, he says, I have written this letter so that you might know how to conduct yourselves in the house of God. He's talking about the local church. And he gives all these details of how it's supposed to be done. And our elders saying, we're sticking to this word. We're not going to go out there and hear what the culture says. It's what the Bible says. Even Peter in Second Peter, when he writes, he says, I'm writing to remind you. Yeah, but I just soon hear the Holy Spirit talk to me. No, the Holy Spirit's going to go according to the Word. Here's the Word. Listen to the Word. Listen to God speaking. And so when we do that, we have to learn to discipline ourselves. And it's the hardest thing in the world because the enemy, one thing, he doesn't want us in God's Word. That's the last place he wants us. last place he wants us for us to listen to God. And so we need to discipline ourselves. And it might be in the morning. A lot of you get up and you can read and you love it. Or in the afternoon or maybe in the evening if you're not falling asleep before you hit the bed. <laughs> you, uh, there are those times I know people who, who they're going to work. And just before they get to work, they try to get there early and sit in the car. And they'll just read some scripture and listen to God. Or maybe it's when they just get home. Dad or mom just gets home. Today, mom gets home. Whoever's home. Before I get in, I'm going to sit there in the car. I'm going to open God's Word. I want to have something. Maybe I have a card with some God's Word on it. But I'm going to just listen to God. Just be quiet. Just for a moment. Um, I, I, I know a guy that he reads the Bible when he's, when he's parked in front of a, a stoplight. You know, and it's, it's red. And it's going to turn green, so he's got to be careful. Or he'll take a little card and he'll have some scripture on it and he'll tape it to his, his dashboard and he'll focus on that. Of course, you know, you, you gotta watch out. People are honking at you if you, if you don't, uh, 
You have to have it up high where you can see it so you can still see the light. And then there's people who have the Bible in the bathroom. Everybody goes to the bathroom. How many of you go to the bathroom at home? You're sitting there with not much to do. And that's a great... If that's the only time you have in your day to listen to God and make it a disciplined time, then do it. God doesn't care. Find a time to listen to God. Post that little thing right up in there in front of the toilet if you have to. I'm just going wild here because we have to find a time. And you just find that best time where you can do that. And you don't need to take a lot of time. Just take a little bit of time if that's all you can handle. So as long as it's on a routine basis, a disciplined time. There is uh, people who want to try to get in shape. The last thing you want to do is, well, I'm going to go out and I'm going to run five miles every day. I'm going to get in shape. And after the first day, you're so shot, you can't run anymore for a while. And so you need to just walk around the block, you know. Just get started with just a little tiny bit. What about, I remember sitting over here a couple of months ago and the offering plate was passed. And I looked and I saw a quarter. Somebody put a quarter in there. Was it a little kid? Was it an adult? Was it a poor person? Somebody put a quarter. Hey, it's the same thing with giving. It's a discipline. And if you don't have a lot of money, a dollar a month. Start with something. That's how I got started. I said, I want to put something in there. I can't afford it. I don't even have a job, whatever it is. But it's a discipline. And it's the same thing with being in God's Word, is that it's disciplining that little bit of time. So I recommend reading a little section of Scripture for 30 seconds and then meditate upon what he's saying once a day. Start where you can start. And then God will build it from there because then you'll start getting hungry for it and you'll want, you'll want more. Okay, that's a quiet time. The other two aren't, aren't going to be quite so long. The second one is a family time. And you're here. Here's our family. You're hearing God's Word taught. You're meeting with one another. Uh, we're, we're talking about Jesus Christ. It might be a, a men's study or women's study or our uh, widow's study, a teenager's study. Young people get together uh, with the youth group. It's getting together with God's people. It's picking up a daily bread and listening to that person. He's not there with you, but he's talking about God's Word. He's sharing with you. Being one-on-one is the greatest thing I've ever experienced in my Christian life. Another buddy that I can get together with and we can be in the Word that not only do I share with him, but he shares with me. And you know, that even gets... Really wonderful as you get to know the person, not only hearing God's Word. That's the family time. Make sure you're not just here. Try to something new in addition to this. And then there's the noisy times. That's the time where the rubber really meets the blacktop. Those are the times every moment of the day, all the good things, the bad things, every little thing that happened, where we learn to discipline ourselves to listen to what God has to say. And we program ourselves by the first two, by the quiet time and the family time. And as we're programming God's Word into our minds and into our heart, then we can begin to say, how would Jesus react in this situation? Lord, how do you want me to... You know? And we'll have His Word right there at, at our disposal. Now, one of the things I found is... Uh, Having this relationship with Jesus Christ in this, in this noisy time all day, you know, 16 hours of waking hours, is it's like I come out of my house and across the street is Jesus' house. And his door, he doesn't have a door, say, it's always open. And he has a porch and he sits out there in his rocking chair or wherever he wants to sit. But he's out there and I get up in the morning and I drive, oh, there's Jesus, you know, and I wave at him. And then when I come home and I, oh, hey, there's Jesus, not mowing the lawn. I go, oh, yeah, there's Jesus over there. And when I go out to get the mail and he's over there and he's rocking. And what he wants me to do is he wants me to just drop everything and go over and say, Jesus, what can I learn from you today? What can you teach me? How can you lift me up or give me some instructions in this life? And But there are those times when 
he decides that he needs to come over to my house. You see, I have a door. And so he has to knock on my door, (laughs) or maybe if he can get in, he's going to come in. He wants to talk to me because something is wrong. Um, And I want to share something with you here. and It's it's embarrassing, but uh, here here a month ago, my wife uh, had had, uh, uh, hip replacement, and so I was supposed to get some blood thinner for her and the doctor prescribed in the in the pharmacy when i went to the pharmacy they wouldn't fulfill oh the insurance company won't approve of this so we go back to the doctor and well we'll try a different kind well the insurance company won't approve of this and you know i'm you know my wife might die you know because she doesn't have the blood thinner and i'm going to get this blood thinner if i have to break down that building and, and find it myself so i'm i'm under control okay for a while and then finally i go up the last time because the doctor said we've changed the medication we've changed the the uh the mgs you know how much that's how much she's supposed to take, and they'll accept this. As a matter of fact, it's all set for you. Just go over there. So I went up, and the lady's behind. This is the nice little lady standing, sit, sitting behind there. You know, and she's supposed to type everything up. And she says, "Oh well, we can't approve that. We can't do it because uh, the insurance company rejected it." And so, at that point, I said something. You know, like what? I think it was like what's going on, but I said it sort of loud. You know, <laughs> and at the same time, I threw my hand this way, and there, there was a, a free-range bottle of water over there that I knocked to the ground. I made a, a display of myself, and then the, the head pharmacist came out, and, and he goes, "Uh-oh, I got to deal with this guy." You know, <laughs> and, and while I was doing this, right at the very beginning, when I was ready to blow up, the Holy Spirit was saying, "Don't, don't do it. Don't lose it." <laughs> <laughs> and, and I could feel it, you know, the Lord saying, you know, but it was too late. And so he says, uh, okay, now, what do, you, what do you think? And, uh, well, he says, first of all, I'm, I'm acting in an unbecoming way. I'm not uh, being patient. I'm not having a joy in my life. Uh, and all these things that the Spirit of God wants to produce, I just lost it all. And so he says, well, okay, now what are you going to do about it? And so the Scripture comes to me. This is the Holy Spirit talking to me through it. And, and he says, well, you're supposed to apologize. And confess, this is wrong. You're not supposed to act this way. You're supposed to represent Christ. And so uh, I apologized to the guy, and everything went, went really well. And uh, the one thing I did not do, I did not tell him that I was a pastor. <laughs> I didn't have my shirt on that says, Honk, if you love Jesus. <laughs> I embarrassed myself, but I didn't want to embarrass God. And, he, and I knew what to do. After I'd blown it, he'd come over and talk to me and open my door. And he went back across the street and sat on his little rocker and waited for me again. He loves me. He loves all of you. And he just wants us to live for him. In those noisy times, um, we need to learn to discipline ourselves to ask Jesus, uh, what do you want me to do now? How do you want me to act? How do you want me to think? Uh, When I'm upset with my mate, when the toilet overflows, when the doctor tells me I've got cancer, when my favorite team loses... When my singleness tells me I'm unlovable, when I hate my job day after day and wish God would do something, when when the Supreme Court garden wilts for the lack of living water, when the desire for more, better, and best at the expense and exclusion of others uh, sets up camp in my heart, and when the greed of my savings account gets mad at me for even thinking about withdrawing it for some good purpose. And when people in, interrupt my, my, the direction of my day, uh, Lord, how should I act? That's living in that quiet time and listening to his word. Listening to God is a discipline of 
self-denial. It's thinking about what he would have first. It's a way of life. It embraces uh, 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 God's word in those quiet times, uh, family times, and noisy times. Let's pray. Uh, Father, uh, I think we can all admit that we are not very good listeners to your word. We don't discipline ourselves like we should, but you love us anyway. And uh, you know that when we do, we can listen to you. And, and it helps us even as a result to listen to those people that you put in our life and be the loving people that you've called us to be. So we thank you that, uh, that you will stir us up this week to be developing in those quiet times, family times, and noisy times. We pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.